We have a faith that is not to be confined to the walls of this building. We have a faith that we are to take outside of these walls and we are to live it on a daily basis. And Jesus, in this portion of Scripture, he shows us how we can live as good citizens and at the same time promote the gospel. We saw this morning that Christ was submitted to the suffering. He was submitted to suffering and he was submitted to the Father and he was submitted to man through the suffering. We learned that God himself had delivered Jesus over to uh, death, but then man with wicked hands took Jesus and crucified him. The Bible tells us that Jesus was submitted unto the will of the Father. And so we find, what we find in this portion of Scripture is that submission to God, and we, we, we could say it this way, submission to God and to government will help or can help point people to the gospel. If you were to say, Pastor, what's the take home today? What, what's the one thing that you want us to take throughout the, uh, the week that as we are submitted to God and to government, we can help point people to the gospel? We learn that uh, in Christ's submission to suffering and submission to the Father and submission to man, that what is the ultimate purpose uh, um, uh, for us as believers, that we are to glorify God. The reason that Jesus could be submitted unto the Father was because he understood his purpose. And we we looked at that in multiple uh, verses, and we understood that Jesus came for a specific reason, and that was to die for our sins. And so because he knew his purpose... He was able to submit to the Father. And now that we know our purpose, that whether we eat, whatsoever we do, whether we eat or drink or whatsoever we do, we're to do all to the glory of God, we ought to be submitted to the the will of God in our life. But not only do we see that Christ was submitted to suffering, but this evening I want you to see that um, Christ was also submitted to society Christ was also submitted to society. In verse 24, and they, when they were coming to Capernaum, they that received tribute money came to Peter and said, Doth not your master pay tribute? I want you to see in verse 24 here, what we see is the first thing. We see that there were taxes demanded. There were taxes demanded. If you're taking notes, you can write that down. This paragraph, verses 24 through 27, is only mentioned in the book of Matthew. But nonetheless, it's still true. And I think one of the reasons why Matthew included it was because he was interested in taxes. You say, well, why was he interested in taxes? Well, before he started following Christ was because he was a tax collector. He he worked for the IRS. He was one of your favorite people. You know, I, I kind of, when I was working on this message, I didn't realize when I was planning these, this message, as a matter of fact, uh, we should be done, Matthew, by now. Uh, with the, I was only going to preach four or five times out of it, but I'm, I'm, I'm believing that we ought to just continue verse by verse through Matthew. And, and uh, it's amazing. I was thinking this week, isn't it amazing? Tax season's upon us, and this is, what, this is how the Lord worked this out. You know, what he's, you know what the Lord's telling you? You need this. <laughs> but I believe that it's mentioned in Matthew because Matthew was a tax collector. 
And Jesus, in this portion of Scripture, and his disciples now move from uh, uh, one area, and they're in the town of Capernaum. And this is the, the, uh, the place where Jesus lived. This was, this, this was uh, where he preached and where he healed in this city. Commentators believe that they were at the home of Peter at this time. And most likely, they were staying, Jesus and the disciples were staying in Peter's home uh, as guests. And presumably... Jesus was in the house with the other disciples, and Peter was in the street. This is where the question arises from the tax collectors. They questioned Peter. They said, Peter, does, does Jesus pay taxes? Now, you need to understand, this was not a Roman tax. This was a temple tax. That's key in understanding this that it was a temple tax. This tax had everything to do with the temple. I want you to turn back to Exodus chapter 30 because we see where this began. And I want you to, uh, this wasn't something that was just instituted during the days of Christ, but we can see the foundation of it and where it was moved, uh, how, how it went from the Old Testament into the New Testament here. In Exodus chapter 30, the Bible says in verse 11, Exodus chapter 30 and verse 11, And the Lord spake unto Moses, saying, When thou takest the sum of the children of Israel after their number, then they shall give every man a ransom for his soul unto the Lord, when thou numberest them that there be no plague among them. When thou numberest them, they shall, they, this they shall give. Everyone that passes among them that are numbered, a half a shekel after the shekel of the sanctuary. A shekel is 20 geras. And half a shekel shall be the offering of the Lord. That's where it started. And then it continued to move on into the New Testament era. And when they come to Jesus' time, basically what they were looking at, they were asking for two days' wages at that time. They're saying, we want you to give two days' wages. You are to give two days' wages unto the temple. And Peter was asked here, he said, they said, does Jesus pay taxes? I really wish Peter would have said no. I really do. It would, have, it would have really helped out a whole lot. And I think that we would really like the verse to read that way. It would be a whole lot better. But Peter says with a, with, with, uh, with great with a great emphatic way, he says, yes. There was no question in Peter's mind that Jesus was submitted to the laws of his society. So we see that taxes were demanded, but I want you to see, secondly, taxes defined, verses 25 and 26. Christ's submission to society. The the point of the message is that submission to God and to government can help point people to Christ. Submission to God and to government can help point people to Christ. Taxes defined, verses 25 and 26. He saith, yes. And when he was coming to the house, Jesus prevented him, saying, What thinkest thou, Simon? Of whom do the kings of the earth take custom or tribute? Of their own children or of strangers? Peter saith unto him, Of strangers. Jesus saith unto him, Then the children are free. Taxation in those days was not like it is today. In those days, countries were run by one individual, either a king or an emperor. And so the one who ran the country had all the power. 
and he was the one who called the shots. And what they would do is they would tax all the society underneath them. And it was for two purposes. They taxed society to support the kingdom, and they taxed society to support their family. So that was the two purposes, so that that way the kingdom of this emperor or king could continue to go on, and so that that way his family could live in luxury. And Peter now comes from the outside, and, he, and, and he's getting ready to talk to Jesus, but before Jesus can speak, Jesus asks Peter's opinion through a question. He says, hey, Peter, what do you think about this? What do you think about this? Who do the kings of earth take taxes from? From their family or from strangers? Strangers is another way of saying citizens. Peter's ready to rush in and uh, uh, and speak uh, to, to Jesus, but Jesus asks him a question Who do kings take taxes from? From their family or from strangers? Now, let me ask you something. It wouldn't make much sense for a king to take taxes from his own family to support his own family. That doesn't make sense. So Peter, understanding the custom of the day, understanding what Jesus was referring to, he answers the question, he says, from strangers. A king's not going to take taxes from his own kids, from his own family. That's part of his family. That's one of the benefits of being in the family. You don't have to pay the taxes. And then Jesus comes to the logical conclusion and he says, well, the sons are free then, right? If, if those who have to pay taxes are the citizens, are the strangers, then Jesus says to Peter, then the sons are free. See, Jesus is trying to make a point here. And what he is teaching is, he's teaching that the family of the king does not have to pay taxes. Now remember that. Remember, it was a temple tax. Jesus is talking about a custom. And now, he's saying the sons are free. I want you to turn to John chapter 2, if you would. John chapter 2. Remember, what's the point of the message? The point of the message is submission to God and the government can help point people to Christ. We saw how Christ's submission to the Father and to man this morning points people to Christ. And we're seeing now uh, Christ's submission to government or to society can point people to Christ. John chapter 2 and verse 16. And he said unto them that sold doves, take these things hence. Make not my father's house a house of merchandise. What's Jesus talking about there? He's talking about the temple, right? Who did he say that house was? It was his father's house. It was his father's house. So who's the one who rules the temple? His father. So if it's his father, what does that make Jesus? His 
son. So if Jesus wanted to, he could have looked at Peter, and if he went outside and looked at those tax collectors, he could have said, I don't have to pay taxes to the temple. Why? Because my father is the king of the temple, and I'm his son. I don't have to pay taxes because it's my father that owns the temple. Okay, now bring it down to us. Then what's Jesus saying in this portion of Scripture? In all reality, Jesus is saying then that we're free. Well, why? Because God is the king of this earth and he rules everything. And we are the sons and daughters of God. So, since that's the case... We get all the benefits of being in his family and not having to pay taxes. I would have thought that, man, I would have got a resounding, amen. This is the kind of preaching that we like, pastor. I mean, does not God own it all? Is not he the king of the earth? Are we not part of his family if we've accepted him as our personal savior? Then what Jesus is saying is, in all reality, he's saying that we are free. Now, I hope nobody from the IRS is watching this. We'll get to the point here in a minute. I want you to turn to Philippians chapter 3. I can prove to you from the Word of God that we are citizens of another country. The Bible plainly ta- teaches us in multiple uh, portions of Scripture that we are not citizens of this world. That we are citizens of another country. Philippians chapter 3 and verse 20. For our conversation is in heaven. That word conversation means citizenship there. For our citizenship, it could be read that way. Our citizenship, our conversation is in heaven. From whence also we look for the Savior, the Lord Jesus Christ. The Bible also tells us in Ephesians chapter 2, what? That we are fellow citizens with the saints. Hebrews chapter 12 and verse 22, the Bible says, But ye are come unto Mount Zion, and unto the city of the living God, the heavenly Jerusalem, and to an innumerable company of angels. The point is that we belong to another group of people who are heavenly. This is the reality of what is clearly taught in Scripture. That we are not part of this world. That we are not citizens of this world. And since our God owns this world, we shouldn't have to pay taxes. One man said it like this. One theologian said, If we are citizens of heaven, and if we belong to the assembly of people whose names are written, there, there who are the household of God, the saints of God, if we are only strangers and sojourners in this world... If this isn't our home, and this isn't our country, and this isn't where our citizenship lies, then we might conclude from that that we really really have no obligation here at all, that we're not responsible to respond to the system in any way, that we are called to a higher order. Now, everybody here wants me to say, all right, now let's bow our heads and close our eyes and end. Great, we don't have to pay taxes. But it doesn't end there, does it? 
Despite the fact that we are citizens of another country and God owns it all, I want you to look at verse 27. Because remember, what's the point of the message? Being submitted to God and to government can help point people to Christ. We've got a faith that is more than just living inside these four walls. We've got a faith that is to be lived outside of these four walls. Look at verse 27 because we see letter C, taxes delivered. Taxes delivered. Matthew chapter 17 and verse 27. Notwithstanding, notwithstanding, lest we should offend them, go thou to the sea, cast and hook, take up the fish that first cometh up, and when thou hast opened his mouth, thou shalt find a piece of money. Take that and give unto them for me and thee. Jesus said we're free. Jesus said, look, I, don't, I shouldn't have to. He could have said, I don't have to pay this temple tax because my father in heaven owns the temple. He's the king of the temple and I'm his son. But then he says, notwithstanding, look at what he says here. He says, lest we should offend. Lest we should offend. I guess my first question is who? Who is he referring to, lest we should offend? He's referring to the tax collectors. So what does this mean for us? Is Jesus saying that he doesn't want us to offend the lost? Is Jesus saying that he, do, he, he doesn't want us to offend the IRS? Is Jesus saying that he doesn't want us to offend the government? That's exactly what Jesus is saying. Nevertheless, lest we should offend. This is the reason for the statement that Jesus makes why? Then not only who, then, well, then why does Jesus say, I don't want you to offend them. I'm going to pay this tax even though I don't have to because I, I have uh, my Father in heaven who owns the temple, who's the king of the temple. I shouldn't have to pay that tax. And for us as believers, we have our Father in heaven who is God of, of, uh, of all creation, and I'm his son, and he owns it all. Therefore, technically, I don't have to pay that tax, but Jesus says, lest we should offend. Okay, so we shouldn't offend our government. We shouldn't offend the IRS. We shouldn't offend those in authority over us, but why? Why, why Jesus, do, do you not want us to offend. Why, why do we have to do that? Here you go. So the message won't be hindered. So the message won't be hindered. Now listen, let, think about this. Do you think that anybody would have listened to Jesus' message if he wasn't a good citizen? Do you think anybody would have listened to what he had to say about his death, his resurrection, the gospel, about living in the kingdom? If he was not a good citizen, if he did not do what was right to do, no. Do you think anybody would have listened to Jesus about, uh, about uh, what he had to say when it came to sin and to salvation if he didn't pay his temple tax? They would have thought, everybody would have thought, well, he doesn't care about the temple. He, he, he won't pay his tax, and so he doesn't care about the temple. 
Not only that, he doesn't care about the service of the temple. That was one of the reasons why they had the tax to be able to help for the service of the temple. People would have come to the conclusion, not only does he not care about the temple or, nor the service of the temple, but he doesn't care about our nation. See, a good citizen will be submissive to the laws of society. Look, friend. If you or I think we're getting away with something by cheating on our taxes, that we're sticking it to the man, that we're getting away with it, <laughs> I got it. I, I, I'm able to stick it to the man. You might have gotten away with that. But you know what you've just done? You've just hindered the gospel work in anybody's life that might know you or know your testimony. You've got a much bigger person to answer to than the government. If anybody had a right not to pay their tax, it was Jesus. But he was a good citizen. He was submissive to the laws of society. Now let me give you a side note here. We are to be submissive to the laws of society as long as they don't go against the word of God. When the laws of society go against the word of God, when they contradict the word of God, that is when we as a people must stand with the word of God over the laws of society. See, a good citizen is one who submits to the regulation and laws of government. Turn to 1 Peter, if you would, please. Chapter 2. 1 Peter, chapter 2. Hey, businessman, businesswoman, make sure that in your business, you're being upright and honest and forthright with what you owe the government. Don't, don't play this game. You know, if you pay me in cash, hello? If you pay me in cash, you know, we'll be all right. But if not, I'll have to, you know, give you a receipt and then turn it on. But, you know, I can be able to knock that off the top if you... Look at what the Bible says. Don't get, don't, don't get upset with Pastor Adele. But look at what the Bible says. 1 Peter chapter 2 and verse 13. Submit yourselves to all the ordinances that you feel comfortable with for the Lord's sake. All right, I, I might have, I'm having a problem seeing. Submit yourselves to every ordinance that you feel is proper or submit yourself to every law as long as you, the government doesn't get too much of your money. It doesn't say that, does it? It says submit yourselves to e e every ordinance 
of man for the Lord's sake, whether it be to the king supreme or unto governors, as unto them that are sent by him for the punishment of evildoers. That would be like police officers and things like that. And for the praise of them that do well. And again, our caveat for us as believers is that we submit to every ordinance, we submit to every law, as long as it does not go against the Word of God. For example, if government starts telling me that certain things that I were to preach on are hate speech and you can no longer preach that, well then, I'm still going to preach what the Bible says. Because we stand upon the Word of God. But if the government says, I'm now not taxing you 7.5%, but I'm going to tax you 17.5%, guess what I've got to do? I've got to pay my taxes. Why? You say, well, the government just gets too much of my money. That's not our concern. When Peter wrote this in 1 Peter, these people were under a great suppressive government. Worse situation than we would find ourselves in. You know what Peter told them? Submit. Why? Because submission to God and government can help point people to Christ. See, by doing this, when you submit unto government, you know what you're saying? You're saying, I care about this nation. I care about these people. I care about this leadership. I, I want to do what is right. And if we live this way, we can draw people unto us that, so that we can point them to Christ. One man said it this way, and it's very true. Evangelism begins by your life of submission to those in authority over you. Evangelism begins by your life of submission to those in authority over you. See, we, we can become capable of reaching society that we are in for Christ when we learn to submit to laws of society with a gentle and meek spirit. First Peter chapter 2 and verse 21 says, For even hereunto were ye called, because Christ also suffered for us, leaving us an example that ye should follow in his steps, who did no sin, neither was guile found in his mouth, who when he was reviled, reviled not again. When he suffered, he threatened not, but committed himself to him that judges righteously. Who his own self bare our sins in his own body on a tree. That, uh, that we, being as dead to sin, should live unto righteousness, by whose stripes ye were healed. For ye were as sheep going astray, but now ye are returned unto the shepherd and bishop of your souls. What's the point, pastor? What are you trying to say? The Christ, our supreme example, that's what it says here, Christ, our example, our supreme example of submitting to authority that had no right to do to him what they did. When Jesus Christ was scourged, when he had a mockery of a trial, what did he do? He, the Bible tells us right there, he did not revile, he did not rebuke, he did not push back, but what did he do? He submitted in order that we might have salvation. Those authorities had no right to do to him what they did, but he allowed it to happen. Let me ask you something. Are you willing to submit to suffering at the hands of society for the cause of the gospel? Are you willing to submit 
to suffering at the hands of society for the gospel? See, Jesus willingly submitted to suffering from the Father and from humanity, and he also willingly submitted to the laws of society for the salvation of others. He's our pattern. If Jesus did it, and so should we. Remember those little wristbands they had years ago? WWJD. Remember that? What would Jesus do? He's our pattern. And since he's our pattern, though we live in another country, though we have a father that owns it all, we're going to submit to the laws of society so that we can be counted as good citizens so we have an opportunity to share the message, to point people to Christ. See, you thought the paying taxes was just something that you did as, as an American. This is what I'm supposed to do. I'm a citizen. No, 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 no. You and I pay taxes in order that, and we follow the laws of society in order that we might be good gospel witnesses when we have opportunity. That's the reason we do it. Oh, no, I pay my taxes to support the government. I pay my taxes to support our military. I, yeah, yes, there are side issues. But according to the word of God, the reason that we do what we do in our country and pay the taxes and be law-abiding citizens is so that, that way we have an opportunity to share the message of Jesus Christ. See, this is where our talk is supposed to meet up with our walk. We can talk all we want about how great Jesus is and about all the salvation and all this thing, but if our walk does not line up with our talk, then guess what? Our talk means nothing to the world. Jesus willingly submitted to suffering, verses 22 and 23, at the hand of the Father and the hands of man, and Jesus willingly submitted to the laws of society, verses 24 through 27, even though he didn't have to, but he did it to be able to point people to the gospel.